A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. The postal code is P for Peter, 3, E as in Elizabeth, 4, N as in Nora, 1, P3E, 4N1. And I never really, I never have decided where I take the, the program or the show on any particular night. I just open my mouth and see what comes out because my mind's always tumbling with different pieces of news, discarding a lot of it too as trivia or deceptive. And I try to go into a talk to show you how things are really working in this, this divine comedy. Back with more after this break. I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. To say I generally don't plan anything, I see where uh, I just go with my thoughts for a night, and then I start uploading the show through satellite, if I can do it, actually, because I've explored net that's deliberately been told to cut me back with speed to put me off, basically. And that's how things work in the real world. And then I, I write the poem, and then I get on with the uploading again. But uh, I try to, to omit a lot of articles because people realize that everything that they read has a spin on it one way or another, sometimes in, in different directions at once. Because after all, information is power. Knowledge is power. And we've been ruled for not a long time by very powerful people who are not stupid, far from being stupid. They are not in it just for the money. They will maintain that they stay in charge of mainstream media for generations to come for their offspring's sake but they also have other reasons too because there's always a big game going, going on in the chessboard all the time all the time and people who don't know their history if they don't know their history they'll never figure things out they'll fall for every con that's presented to them under the guise of science with scientific terminology or medicine with medical terminology. Pharma's very good at that, selling flu stuff and so on. And they don't think. Brzezinski knew this was coming because they were using professional people, not, not just uh, reporters and media and managers. They were, they were using people who were trained in how the mind works. People who've been trained by Bernays, for instance, and how to not only sell things to the public, but how to also alter the public in such a way that more radical ideas could be introduced to non-radical people. But it'd be presented in such a way they wouldn't even notice, really, they wouldn't consciously notice they'd been radicalized. And there are techniques to do it through gradualism by the alteration of your actual download that you want into their minds by changing wording, calling it something else, for instance. It's astonishing today how a few years, just a few years after, supposedly, the Berlin wall, wall just fell down. Remember, when a wall comes down, people come out. But a few years it takes, and they don't know what communism is. And I remember talking to a young girl in a, in a coffee store. She, she served in a coffee store in the summer. And uh, she says, this is the last time I'll be here. She says, oh, where are you going? 
she was going off with some to help some country somewhere under some youth program and uh, she said they live communistically and I said you mean it's normal communal living or the actual idea of Marxist communism she says oh true communism and she says what do you know of communism and now she was just out of school in Canada and she says well it's a good thing It, it brought people together and made them work for a common purpose now a common purpose is the term you understand the buzzwords that are used in communism because common purpose is a, a term you use through all the think tanks that move the world and shape the way it's going remember the parallel governments that Margaret Thatcher referred to and that uh, Professor Carl Quigley referred to and worked for the foundations with their incredible amounts of money that create policies that create the non-governmental organizations that do the organizing because they have unlimited financing to do so. They have thousands of think tanks working on various problems and how to introduce these very thoughts into your head over a period of time, even with timetables written down for each particular idea to take hold. And that's what you've been taught in school. It's a good thing. They're all striving towards a common cause Everybody sort of chipped in together, and she really believed this. She, had, she was completely ignorant of what the Sovietization system was all about politically, and how it really was run by a small elite at the top who lived like kings. They would get everything they wanted to, just like Orwell said in his book 1984, there's nothing those bar stewards can't get at the top. Everyone else was rational. They couldn't even get razor blades at one point. And that was part of the definition that has been given by Orwell and others of tyranny. It's when those in charge of the means of production can regulate the distribution, regulate the distribution to those beneath them and choose where to give them to you or not to deprive you of them. That's not taught in school, you see. All that was taught in school was the, the ideal version, the utopia. We're all in it together, and children, youngsters, love a common purpose, that term common purpose that's stressed over and over again in Marxism and in the foundations. In fact, they even have one of the largest groups in Britain called Common Purpose, well-funded by the big boys in the Council on Foreign Relations, Royal Institute of International Affairs to bring in globalism, but they also choose youngsters at school, special ones, they select them to be future leaders totally immersed in one ideology that's how your leaders are presented, they're they're trained from youth for their roles now I've mentioned many times about the Club of Rome being one think tank, one of many big think tanks funded again by the big foundations to come into existence to start the war cry. And their job was to find a war scenario to bring people together across the whole planet so that we'd give up our freedoms and rights and work towards, again, a common purpose for survival. They thought about all different things that could happen. What could they use? to con the public 
And then at first, of course, they'd already tried global freezing the coming ice age, and they had that printed in Time magazine and other major magazines in the early 70s. But nature wasn't cooperating with them, because we go up and down like a yo-yo, from cool for 10 years, warm for 10 years. We go back and forth, been like that for an awful long time, millennia. And so they changed to global warming. And this, again, I've read so many times, so I'll read it again, from their own book, The Founders of the Club of Rome, from King and Schneider, 1991. They published it, but they actually published, they actually wrote that in the book that was back in the early 70s. They came up with this idea. It says, the need for enemies seems to be a common historical factor. They printed this in Time magazine, too, in April. um, uh, uh, Yeah, it was in the reprinted in 1977 I think but anyway it says the need for enemies seems to be a common historical factor some states have striven to overcome domestic failure and internal contradictions by blaming external enemies the ploy of finding a scapegoat is as old as man himself when things become too difficult at home divert attention to adventure abroad bring the divided nation together to face an outside enemy either a real one or else one invented for the purpose. Page 71. And on page 75 of the first global revolution by these guys, Club of Rome, remember it's their job to find that the rest would follow. All the other tank, think tanks and implementers would follow. It says, in searching for a common enemy against who we can unite, now we're talking about how they, that's the technique that they've used in the past. We came up with the idea that pollution, the threat of global warming, water shortages, famine, and the like would fit the bill. Now, they made this the gospel. They gave us no other alternative, or their followers no other alternative either. This was to be the big business plan, and come hell, high water, or high snow, they were not going to change it as we can see today because they need this to to bring the world under their control and this is not some sort of democratic control we're post-democratic with these boys we've been post-democratic for a long time and when you run through an agenda between changes in the house of parliament or congress as Jefferson said, when the same agenda is seen to be moving forward through changes in the House, you know you are under tyranny. So this article goes on, as I say, page 75, where they come down to the end. All these dangers, therefore, are caused by human intervention and natural processes. It's only, it's only through changed attitudes and behaviors that they can be overcome. The real enemy, then, is humanity itself. Now, the whole point was depopulation. And that's what's going on in Copenhagen. Never mind all this money transfer. That's a big part of it. But it's not going to get to the people at the bottom because, you see, those countries at the bottom are already on the list. They have been since the 70s on the list, and probably long before, actually. They're certainly reprinted by Kissinger and his teams of people's that have to be brought down drastically in their populations. So a lot of this cash, that the cash that gets through the psychopath's pockets of the givers at the top 
to the takers at the bottom because there's always psychopaths that rise to the top in every culture that that trickles down will go for abortions bringing down populations inoculations or cripple them and sterilize them and all the stuff we've seen in the West <laughs> so that's how the world is really run as I say they stuck to a plan and whenever they stick to a plan the think tanks actually have other foundations they can go to that specialize remember they all work together these foundations this parallel government they have other ones that, that specialize in creating consensus across the world that's all they do send bag men out to create consensus across the world back with more after this break and we're cutting through the matrix. It's interesting there at uh, Copenhagen because they've had a blizzard there and a few inches of snow already. Across Europe they've had flights cancelled. Britain came to a standstill too. The snow, blizzards and snow. And here they are. I mean, this is beautiful for future historians to, to write how they, they changed the entire planet's way of living uh, talking about global warming in the middle of a blizzard where nothing could move I mean it's, it's, it's so farcical but I said before a long time ago and over and over I don't care if you're up to your years in the snow but so say it's global warming because that's the only agenda that put everything on, all the money's on that you see and they've worked on a whole, a whole new economy out years in advance and already implemented it in many countries. The whole of Europe's implemented it four or five years ago in carbon trading. And now the next step is through treaties. Don't be misled by the, oh, we're getting nowhere at Copenhagen nonsense. No, they're putting out the framework for a legal binding uh, system to be brought in with the next meeting. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And when they bring out words like framework for this, they're talking about a global government framework. That's what that means. And they send in Obama, the man of the moment, to uh, to spout off his rehearsed lines because he's run two liquor puppets, all these guys are. And uh, he's a sort of champion, and, and it's, he, oh, he bypassed all the back uh, room deals and went straight to the place and started spouting off and saying, you've got to reach an agreement. They say, this is from CNN today. It's interesting too, in the side, and story highlights, the story highlight it says here, and I'm talking about buzzwords and terms used from communism. You understand how it works. Obama, no time to waste, time for common purpose, he says. Now, people in the know understand where he's coming from. But the general public haven't a clue what they're hearing. These are slogans that are used within a particular organization and a think tank and a system and a people in fact it says, uh, it says there's no time to waste now I believe it's time for the nations as another term they use too is now is the time they're doing a, a revolution be bloody or quiet now is the time now I believe it's the time for the nations and the people of the world to come behind a common purpose 
We're ready to get this done today, but there has to be movement on all sides. Obama sounded impatient with the progress of the two-week watches lines. They're all actors. Conference so far saying the scope of climate change discussions over the years have produced little more than talk. These international discussions have essentially taken place now for almost two decades. Interesting, too, because none of it ever went through popular votes in any country, did they? So, above us all, isn't it, for governance, isn't it? And we have very little time or little to show for it, other than an increased acceleration of the climate change phenomena. Well, what do you expect to come out of a liar? The same lies as his pals and all these are promoted to do this stuff, do they? You've got to do something now. It's accelerating this climate change phenomenon. He says the time for talk is over. And he said that the pieces of an accord have become clear in the past fortnight in Copenhagen but that countries must now decide to sign on even if they feel the framework is imperfect. No country will get everything that it wants, he said. Really, I bet there is one. Without mentioning China specifically, the president challenged that country's reluctance to allow transparency in international review. Then he goes on down there how he met, he did meet, after saying you just rushed and bypassed all the leaders, he said he actually had already met the, the, the representative from China. This is, um, he cancelled the meeting with the Danish Prime Minister to jump to an emergency meeting with almost 20 key leaders, including representatives from China, Australia, United Kingdom, France, Germany, and India. Backroom deals. China's involvement is critical because it's been holding up a climate deal over whether the U.S. and other wealthy nations should pay to... China's holding all the U.S. debt. Why why is the U.S. being called a wealthy nation when China has all the manufacturing it has all the goods, the means of production were all shipped to them under this global plan by the big boys. And they're still calling the U.S. rich. They've, they've gone through a bank collapse. Folk are losing their homes all over the place. There's unemployment and worse to come. And the people still think Obama's real. And the media is real to give you such rubbish as this. Anyway, it says here, uh, another wealthy nation should pay to help developing countries deal with the cost of global warming. Uh. Obama went with Chinese Premier Wen Jiaboa for 55 minutes Friday, the, way the White House said. Now listen to this. The meeting was a constructive discussion that touched upon all of the key issues. Now, who, what are the key issues? The official said, including the three major points Obama touched on in his speech, mitigation, transparency, and financing. Obama and Wen directed their negotiations to work on a bilateral basis, bilateral basis, U.S. and China. The negotiators from other countries to see whether an agreement could be reached in Copenhagen. And the Chinese dealer said it's a small step forwards right off the Matsu Tong's little red book. I can understand what that really means. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
this is cutting through the matrix. Just mentioning what's really happening at Copenhagen is just setting up the, the, the idea for the framework, which means a government, a world government system, because it's dealing with all economy of every country. That's all laws in any nation revolve around its economy. All laws. That's why Rothschild said, when he was when he was asked if he also wanted to rule the rule the country of Britain when he took over the Bank of England, he says no, just give him the money and I care not who rules, because obviously he would be ruling, because all laws revolve around finances, the economy of the system, the nation. Every government goes to the bank, their so-called centralized bank. Another plank of manifesto was to centralize everything. And they go cap in hand and ask for the cash that, and then guarantee and that the taxpayers will pay it back. We're all put down as a guarantors. And so are your children and great-grandchildren, although I don't think we're going to have any the way it's going and the way it's planned at Copenhagen. Because the real goal, too, is to not only get charge of all the economies of every country and to centralize it all in the United Nations, a world government, but to depopulate like crazy by withholding food. Eventually, that's in the UN agreements that they will eventually be responsible for designating rationing food to every state, as they like to call it, or region, group of states. That's in their charter. Look into the, when they set up their agricultural department at the UN, you'll find all that stuff there. And they said that they would allocate the rationing of food according to the population of each country. And it'll be up to each country then to decide how to bring down this population as your problem because they won't put the rations up. And I'll guarantee they'll start as something where everyone can eat. And just like everything else they do at the UN, they'll start bringing it down. The ration quota will go down and down and down. Food and water and energy are used as weapons always down through history nothing to do with the climate nothing at all to do with the climate and as that is happening there they're socializing the medical systems in the last few countries that don't have socialized medicine where countries spend like Canada 40 odd or 8 or so million dollars a year on propaganda and advertising to tell the public who live in Canada how wonderful their medical system is. Not kidding. I've read the articles on the air. Incredible, isn't it? Propaganda wins over reality as people queue up with the big number tags like they kind of used to hang on cattle's ears before the slaughter. You see them in the fields for those folk who could tear themselves away from a city. You'd see them with these big tags. That's what you get when you walk through the door. And you take your place. And you have no idea who you're going to see, because you'll never see the same face twice. And you might, might sit four or five hours. Or longer. And then they might just close up whenever they want to, until you come back tomorrow or the next day or whenever. That's how you're treated in socialized medicine. They don't pull out your records. They don't care about your history. They just ask what you want and stand there with a prescription pad. That's, that's socialized medicine. And they don't put all the tests through for you either because that's all cutbacks, you see. When things are socialized, the government runs it. Remember the agenda, 
is to depopulate, not to keep you healthy, depending again on your status. Because there's special hospitals for, you know, the better people like top bureaucrats and their families and politicians, they all get into that. That's socialized medicine. Just like the Soviet Union had. But also, they said they would use, as Lenin said, they would use services. They begin services to the public, and then they become authorities. They talked about the merger of the end of the dictatorship of the proletariat, which is really all over the proletariat, as you being called, uh, where communism would blend with the West and become not quite capitalist, not quite communist, more what they call the ideal socialist, where big business would be allowed to still flourish, work hand in glove with government, and technically, technically, if you want to call it something, our name is fascist. And masses of bureaucrats would, would rule the lives of all the masses beneath them, which we have. He said around the year 2000 and beyond, it'll be so bad in the West and the rest of the world that there'll be so many agencies and government agencies competing with each other, they'll be stepping in on each other's toes in territories, combining territories. That's happening too. There's so many alphabet agencies out there, you can't keep tra- they can't keep track of them themselves. But again, using these services, which would then become authorities like police services, where services paid for the taxpayer, and the taxpayer of even towns and villages in Canada could fire them at will, and that's why they brought in provincial or state police, you see, and they're going for federal police. Centralization, again, Marxist idea. And they're going to the next step now because, you see, healthcare is also used as a weapon in more ways than you think. Healthcare is used as a weapon because they can either depopulate through it by withdrawing stuff from availability to the public, like antibiotics, for instance, very simple, or putting out and promoting shots to shorten their life, as was suggested by quite a few of the big players like Lord Bertrand Russell when he said, we shall use the needle. And I've read that on the air from his own book. Julian Huxley said the same thing. But they're using pharmacists too, and this is a new thing because remember, we started to hear, oh, pharmacists can now give the flu shot. Well, pharmacists are not trained or authorized to give shots. But the public don't know that. They don't know that. Does a pharmacist have a defibrillator there when, he, when you go into anaphylactic shock and your heart just packs in? No. But it doesn't matter now. You're in socialized medicine, you see. Masses. You treat the masses like the masses. You're not a, a person anymore. You're just a statistic. And if you die, well, you're a statistic. That's all. You get, get bad genes. The stuff's made for the average genes. This article here is from an inside uh, site for healthcare, for insiders, the big boys, and it's called Fierce Health at Fierce Health. I'll put these links up on my site if I can get any speed from ExploreNet at all. And at the end of the night, so you can look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, and I'll put these links from these talks up, these articles up. And it says it's the leading source of healthcare. It news with a special focus on, it tells you different things. The 
this article here is from the 14th of December 2009. The U.S. Pharmacy Benefits Manager, Medco Health Solutions. Medco Health Solutions will deliver electronic alerts to pharmacies for patients who may not be following their doctor's orders and pay as many as 100 pharmacists in Illinois. This is where they're starting it off. Uh, no doubt they'll do it in a few areas at the same time. And pay as many as 100 pharmacists in Illinois for coordinating care with physicians and counseling patients with chronic conditions. Medco also will work with the Illinois Pharmacist Association. This is how you do it. You license people. Then you have associations for licensing. And then government steps in. And big business, the big fascist bunch, step in together. And you have this public-private deal. And they're going to monitor the patients and alert the pharmacist if you skip a pill here and there. It says, uh, Medco will also work with the Illinois Pharmacists Association, the University of Illinois at Chicago, College of Pharmacy, and Marixa, a pharmacy-based patient care network to study the effects or efforts to close gaps in medication adherence over the course of a 26-week trial period. It transforms traditional uh, competitors into collaborators. See, they're not competing. They're collaborating now with governmental departments. Creates a partnership. Oh, here's all your newspeak across private business, but is it proactive, eh? Is it probiotic, too? I don't know. Public employers and research institutions and leverages advanced technology using evidence-based protocols to efficiently identify and effectively close gaps in care for patients who are suffering chronic and complex conditions, patients who account for 96% of all drug costs. See, this is the government again, because they've already done the surveys with Rand Corporation and what they're going to cut you down to, the bare bones for the coming socialist medical system. So chronic patients with lots of illnesses or elderly account for 96% of all drug costs and 75% of all medical spending. Medical President and COO President Klepper says of the program. The UIC College of Pharmacy will train and offer guidance to as many as 100 community pharmacists. They're all, everything's a community now. What was it Bruce Senior called it when he announced the New World Order? Communitarianism. Communism was too bad. You see, it might ring a bell in the odd head that was left at thought here and there. So they called it communitarianism. They're all parts of your community now. It says 100 community pharmacists on how to improve medication adherence and are identifying essential medications that patients in the state of Illinois' employee health plans should be receiving for cardiovascular, diabetes, pulmonary, and neuroscience issues. Medco will de- deliver alerts over the Marixa network and offer consulting fees to participating pharmacists. Now, you've already heard or read, I'm sure, about the nanotechnology they're putting in pills and medication and how they can actually monitor to see if you're actually taking the correct doses and all the rest of it. It's really interesting. It's like that movie THX with Robert Duvall. You think the guy who dreamed up that story had a great imagination? No, these guys work 50, 60, 70, 100 years before they implement any part of it. Just like Aldo Huxley brought up Brave New World and talked about creating the perfect humans to serve the system different categories of them of intellect back in the 1930s 
before we're told they discovered the genes. We're just going through a long-term business plan. The Copenhagen thing is only part of it, written and planned, no doubt, long, long ago. Long ago. Here I laugh, too, at the farce of it all, the hypocrisy that they always see, but again, that's what you saw in the Soviet system. Those at the top could get anything they wanted. There was no defector ever left the top ranks of the KGB or any of the, the, the big political organization, the Politburo at the top. Not one of them left because of economic reasons. They lived in a high standard of living, equivalent to the same positions in the Western countries and sometimes higher. Some are more equal than others in such utopia, said Orwell. Well, ain't they ever? This is an article going back to 2007 from the Sunday Times, June 24th. The Green Prince, you know, Prince Charles has given him a cause now, a common purpose for him too. Green Prince leaves a giant CO2. The Prince of Wales has been found wanting in his efforts to save the world from global warming. Charles and his royal household have generated more than 1,500 tonnes of carbon dioxide in the past year, according to an independent audit. The principal this week announced that he and his household are carbon neutral. The campaigners claim this is greenwash. Oh, very, very, very clever, very witty. Because instead of cutting his emissions, he's simply paying to offset them. And he can do that because, you see, they get paid, apart from all the other loot they've got had done through the centuries, the royal family of Britain, he's get paid a salary by the government for being who they are, you know, going to events and foreign, and, and cost of living expenses. So that's... That's an extra bonus you'll be given to pay back by the taxpayer. Anyway, this also does not include holidays taken by his sons, Princess William and Harry. William spent a week in Barbados with his former girlfriend, Kate Middleton, and flew to Switzerland and Ibiza. And Harry enjoyed two trips to Barbados with his girlfriend, Chelsea Davy, and a trip to South Africa. On Tuesday, Charles will publish details of his carbon footprint for the past year and targets to reduce it. The audit has been conducted by Jonathan Porritt, his long-standing advisor. That's the Ultimate Population Trust boys, too. However, an independent audit conducted for the Sunday Times by Chris Goodall, who's another green freak, the author of How to Live a Low-Carbon Life. You know we're carbon units? We're called carbon units, life forms, carbon life forms. Remember the old Star Trek series? All carbon-based life forms. You see, what a lot of farce this is. Anyway, found the prince's lavish lifestyle had taken its toll on the planet, he made use of publicly available records to estimate the prince's travel and utility bills and that Charles was responsible for nearly 1,600 tonnes of CO2 emissions, equivalent of more than 600 cars on Britain's roads for a year. Flights taken by Charles and the Duchess of Cornwall generated more than 800. They flew more tonnes of CO2 than 70,000 miles last year, including frequent visits to Scotland and tours of the US, the Gulf, Pakistan and Africa. Prince's foreign air travel has been controversial. In January, he travelled first class to the United States with Camilla and 14 aides, where he picked up an environmental award, awareness award. <laughs> the two-day trip cost up to £120,000 and generated 54 tonnes of CO2. In February, he hired an Airbus A319, which can seat 140 people, to carry him, Camilla, and 23 aides to the Gulf at taxpayers' expense. Some are more equal than others in such utopias, eh? 
the two of which generated 380 tonnes of CO2, four press advisors, an equerry, a dresser for the Duchess, a hairdresser, two valets, a butler, a doctor, little personal doctors with them, three staff in charge of logistics and travel, and a personal assistant. One former senior member of the Royal Household said the Prince's entourage was often excessive. Simple actions that could be done by one man seem to take three when the Prince is involved. And May Camilla dented the Prince's green reputation when she took a private jet to Greece for a short break with friends. You know, you know, a weekend thing. You know, just had to get away from it all, didn't she? She's so busy. <laughs> but that's the farce we live through. Farce. Nothing to do with global warming. Nothing to do with CO2, folks. This is about total control of every person on the planet. The bringing in of a new planned society with population planning for the future, for their needs, those at the top, what they need, who they need, what gene types they need. What do you think the Human Genome Project was? It seems that they already had all the data on everyone ten years before they announced they'd even done it. What do you think they were doing? They were listing all those folks with different illnesses, disease, what's hereditary, what gene types should be eliminated from the gene pool because of the cost-effectiveness of it all. Back with more after this break. Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix. As I said before, years and years ago, back in Aldo Huxley's time and his brother Julian, head of UNESCO, United Nations, the, the department that was set up to get a common culture through indoctrination of the children worldwide through national teachers association boards, implementing the same agenda. Centralization, remember, of authority. The they talked about um, different ways to alter the human itself and bring down population as well but of course they couldn't bring or get volunteers if they came out and said want to kill three quarters of your 90 percent they just wouldn't get the volunteers we're not quite ready yet life's not that just depressing so far but it's getting there but this article here shows you what happened with monsanto's corn now monsanto's like bill gates in a sense and i've told people before these guys don't raise to the top by themselves they don't rise to the top by themselves their help, it's the way is paid for them to take over the food supply. That's what Monsanto's job is. Just like they put Bill Gates up there, no matter what he pinched from other companies, pinched means nicking, which also means stealing, uh, no one would touch them. No judge anywhere would touch them because it was a must-be, a, a CIA-backing, obviously, agenda. Wednesday, 16th of December, 2009, and it's by truth out to do with food and, and genetically modified foods, the poisonous stuff they're feeding us. Now, Canada was the test bed for, for all the modified stuff. For 10 years, they tried it on Canadians without our knowledge. No one knew until it broke out from Britain that we were the guinea pigs. You see, we're more advanced, we are more advanced democracy in Canada than anywhere else in the world, since Pierre Trudeau, who was a communist, a card-carrying one. He became Prime Minister of Canada. But anyway, Wednesday, 16th of December, 2009, 
uh, it says here, GMO cornfields in Canada, a new European study clearly reveals the new side effects linked with GM maize consumption that affected the liver and kidneys but also other organs for three Monsanto GMO corn varieties. Study published in the International Journal of Biological Sciences demonstrates the toxicity of three genetically modified corn varieties from the American seed company Monsanto, the Committee for Independent Research and Information on Genetic Engineering, which uh, is uh, Cregan based in Kane, which participated in the study announced Friday, December the 11th. It says, uh, for the first time in the world, we're proven that GMO are neither sufficiently healthy nor proper to be commercialized. I mean, they shouldn't be sold for food consumption. Each time for all three GMOs, the kidneys, the liver, which are the main organs that react to a chemical food poisoning, had problems, indicated Giles Eric Serolini, an expert member of the Commission for Biotechnology Reevaluation, created by the EU in 2008. This is Kane and Ruan University um, researchers as well as Cregan researchers based their analysis on the data supplied by Monsanto to health authorities to obtain the green light for commercialization, but they draw different conclusions after new statistical calculations. According to Professor Serolini, the health authorities based themselves on a reading of the conclusions of Monsanto, which they presented, and not on conclusions drawn from the totality of the data. The researchers were able to obtain complete documentation following a legal action. Monsanto's tests over 90 days are obviously not of sufficient duration to be able to say whether chronic illnesses are caused, so they asked for the test period of over, or at least two years. And what they found was kidney damage, liver damage, and lots of other problems in humans, folks. But it won't stop it, because the UN must be total control of the food. Public-private fascist partnership. From Hamish myself in Ontario, Canada, it's good night. And may your God or your gods go with you.